0: common denominator is the authenticity always shines through and you pick up on it pretty quick if they're posers i don't like posers
1: this is the playbook we have a legend in the house one of many here i think we're on uh, episode 1250 of the playbook but it doesn't get any better than this tony brown the legendary music producer he has a repertoire a class i I, thought lee steinberg had extraordinary talent this guy is the biggest and the best Elvis (laughs) Reba George Strait welcome to the playbook Tony
0: oh it's an honor to be here I, I was looking forward to doing this with you actually I'm a little intimidated by you so hang in there with me man
1: I will man I try not to scare you I know you haven't spent much time around big celebrities so (laughs) <laughs> I'll lighten my egotistical mode and, and as a podcaster and a sports executive, I'll tone it down a bit. But Tony, one of the things that I'm most curious about, probably not a question everybody asks is, you know, you're around what I call a spirit of excellence. You, you, you've earned a certain collective consciousness that surrounds you through your experience and your journey of your profession around the world's biggest and best what has been a common denominator that you have found with all of these extraordinary spirits, you know, all the greats of the world, especially in music that carry a certain frequency or vibration?
0: Well, you know, I'm a bit of an elitist when it comes to who I want to work with. I mean, I don't want to like compromise myself to the point of doing it for money. I have always been about a little bit of an elitist. I want to work with somebody that I really believe in either as an artist or like in the case of Rodney Crowell, a singer-songwriter, or in the case of George Strait, just a country singer who's as big as Elvis and just stands there. But he's the real deal. I just, I like authenticity. And uh, it, you can cut to the chase real quick when you're around artists. And, and I've been lucky to work with like Reba, Lyle, Lovett, real authentic people, but they're all different. But the common denominator is... The authenticity always shines through, and you can pick up on it pretty quick. If they're posers, I don't like posers.
1: I love it. Yeah, great intuition, and you've been a producer, musician, but you've also been an extraordinary music executive. And you know, for me, I've always fallen in the untalented side of things, the executive side of things. You know, uh, being around the biggest celebrities, athletes, entertainers in the world. Uh, as as an agent and executive, it's different than actually being an artist. And you've been able to uh, participate in both sides of it. Where is the nuance, the difference, you know, when you have music talent, but you also have business acumen? How Have you been able to reconcile being an executive, a business person, as well as the talent?
0: Well, here's the deal. You know, when I left RCA to go to MCA, I came because uh, Joe Galante at RCA wouldn't let me produce records because I didn't have a track record Jimmy Bowen said come over here and I'll teach you to be a great producer so I jumped at the, at the opportunity and, uh, and I got o- over to uh, MCA with Jimmy Bowen who is, it, it, I was telling somebody if there's five people that have changed Nashville it would be Chet Atkins, Owen Bradley Fred Foster, Jimmy Bowen maybe Scott Borchetta and I've worked with all of those people, except for Fred Foster, I haven't worked with Fred. But uh, I've always been uh, uh, an A&R person. And when Jimmy Bowen left to go to Capitol Records and I inherited the presidency, Jimmy was the CEO and the, the general manager was Bruce Hinton, he was the president. So when Jimmy Bowen left, I became the president. And so people say, man, when you were running MCA, I said, no, I wasn't running MCA, Bruce Hinton was running MCA. I had the same job. I just had a bigger title and a bigger salary and a little more autonomy, you know? And it just, I mean, I, I kind of missed my expense account and I, I kind of missed the power that that, that, that yeah. Something about being the president of MCA and we were the biggest label in town, but I was just an A&R guy. That's what I was, you know? I'm I not a bottom line kind of guy. In, in fact, Bruce Hinton, who was one of the best kind of guys. That's fine. You can go and hired him. We were perfect together because I, I didn't mess in his world and he believed in me. So we were a good, we were a good team.
1: That's a great distinction and talking about things that change careers or change cities or change cultures. You played piano for the amazing Elvis Presley and obviously Elvis has reached even higher brand status with the movie that came out. You've toured uh with him and Uh, Even in the last years, I think you were part of the Jungle Room recording session at Graceland. Uh, Number one, what was it like in the later years, you know, as the movie depicted Elvis, maybe in a way that a lot of people didn't know in the later years? And did you learn anything during that time that impacted your career or changed your direction?
0: Well, you know, I I saw that movie. Is it Boss Lerman? Is that his name? Uh, Yeah. He's a bit of an exaggerator. There's a lot of stuff in there he really was focusing on the Colonel and Elvis's dysfunctional relationship. And he didn't have it, he had it a little bit correct, but he really exaggerated everything. And I did, I was Elvis's last piano player, so I played on the last hit he had, Way Down, we cut it in the Jungle Room. Uh, and I was his last piano player for the last year and a half. Uh, and, and you know what? It's like, to me, to me that gig, I was never, into Elvis Presley's music. I wasn't into music, period. He was a celebrity. I was more honored to be worthy of playing in that band, his band, Ronnie Tut, James Burton, who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame himself, by himself, and Jerry Sheff, and 15 piece horn section, 20 backup singers. To be worthy of playing in that band was as good as playing for Elvis Presley. And then when he would, mm. he would embarrass me on stage, I'd do an intro and say, no, no. Somebody said, was that embarrassing? I said, no, because they're only watching him. I'm the, the dude on the piano. That dude on the piano just messed up. I don't even know my name. <laughs> and so, you know, up, up on stage with Elvis, it was like being in a living room. And you realize that everybody came to see Elvis. They came to see him more than hear him. Because one night in Memphis, I'm, I'm gonna ramble just a little bit here. One night in Memphis, before, now everybody uses these ear, ear pods, right? Yeah. Back in that day, we had stage monitors. And by the piano, I had a big monitor and I had Ronnie Tut's kick drum, so I know where one was. And Elvis's vocal, in case he said, stop, and my piano so I wouldn't miss notes. And one night we did Hurt, and he got to that recitation, and he was cussing like a sailor. And I was going, oh my God. And then I asked uh, everybody the next day, you know, everybody in their monitors, they have what they want in their monitors. So I said, Ronnie, did you hear what Elvis did last night? He says, I don't have my monitor, man. I just have me and James. So I was going, maybe I met so I thought in the paper it would say Elvis really lost it last night. Nothing. So I thought I imagined that. I went to my first Melissa, my manager got me to go to a worldwide fan club thing. And uh I got all these CDs, like bootleg CDs, from like rocking in Phoenix, cooking in Detroit. You know, all these. And some were like, <laughs> that's recorded from the audience," but there was a couple that said, "This recorded direct from the soundboard," which means somebody was slipping uh, Bill Porter, the sound guy, some money.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> and so it was really clear. So I was going through this this one CD, and it had like a lot of cities that said like, "Rocking in Grand Rapids," and kicking butt in Birmingham. And then at the bottom, there was a song that said, bonus cut. So I go down to that on this CD, and it's that night, doing you know, I'm so hurt. And it's clear as a bell. I did not imagine it, it was there. And that made me realize, you know, people didn't come to hear Elvis, they came to see him. You yeah. know, that's what they come, because there's so much screaming going on. Uh, so they came to see him. I mean, not everybody, but the majority of people said, there he is. I remember when I went and saw Van Morrison one time, he didn't sing one song I'd ever heard. And everybody was so upset because the tickets were 500 bucks a piece. And they were so upset. I said, I'm not because I just came to say, I saw Van Morrison one time in my life. You know, I just want to say, I saw Van Morrison and I wasn't (laughs) disappointed he didn't do some of his hits, but with Elvis, Elvis did all the hits. And and man, that band was good and he still sang great. He was a little heavy. But he still sang really great at the end. He he did not lose his voice.
1: Yeah, he was an extraordinary talent. Now, you have an iconic career of your own, as you suggest. There's a lot of people that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A lot of people have said great impact on uh, music itself. And you have a book that has these snapshots. Throughout the history, your journey in all types of genre of music—rock, country, gospel, even—and you know, if you look right, so there, many, right
0: there, there's another like, cover of my book right there on the wall. What's the name?
1: What, what's the name of it? It's uh,
0: Elvis Straight to Jesus.
1: Elvis Straight and Straight spelled, of course, like that, George Straight. Yeah, because like you know, the,
0: the book company wanted to call it Tony Brown Looks at Nashville. I said, "That's stupid. <laughs> they don't even know who I am." It needs to be a title that would go. What is this? Then the cover has to look like I'm important. Which Melissa took a great picture. It makes me look like I'm a rock star. But I said, I said my life was the church. My dad never let me listen to anything but religious music. And then as a musician, the biggest act I ever played for was Elvis. And then I made my money in country music. And the biggest act I ever produced was George Strait. So it's about the church, Elvis Presley, and George Strait. She says. That's kind of Elvis straight Jesus. I went, that's so cool.
1: That's way better. Oh, no, I agree. And, you know, we give meaning those, to those snapshots. And as you look through that book and over 150 pictures, I'm sure there's different meaning, emotional, pragmatic, intellectual, intuition, and inspiration that are tied to snapshots. And it's part of, for me, the mindset that I coach executives on. And I teach, you know, billionaires and and, and athletes about the meaning that we give these snapshots in our lives, inflection points, defining moments. And I could imagine capturing that journey because each of those pictures have significant meaning to you. Um, what are some of the most pivotal or one of the most pivotal moments in your career with all of, you know, I've looked through the book. It looks awesome, but I'm sure you give a bigger meaning to each but, of those uh, pictures than I could ever imagine.
0: The whole take was, every person in there was an intersection in my life where things changed because of that one person. And, uh, and so that's why it goes through, and everybody's sitting in the chair with a, with a current picture. And then there's snapshots when they were younger, like in the case of William Golden, there's a picture. When I played with the Oak Ridge boys, he looked like Warren Beatty. And when he took the picture for the book three years ago, he looked like Leon Russell. (laughs) He's 80 years old and got a big beard. Uh, but so it was about that, you know, like uh, things that happen and that I followed through with. I always found out that if you follow through, somebody calls you. And that I remember one time somebody called me and said, Barbara Streisand wants you to cut her song on her. And I thought, yeah, this is Larry Willoughby punking me. He's, he's punking me. <laughs> and so my assistant said, no, call him back. I, th- I think it's for real. And so I called back Jay Landers, who's her day-to-day guy. And he said, I said, why would Barbara Streisand want to do, me to do a song on her? He said on their first date, uh, James Brolin, he played a George Stray song. And she wants to cut that song with the producer that did it. And I said, okay. So I went out and did that. I would have never in a million years believed that that would ever have happened, you know. And, uh, and I just, I, I'm glad I followed through and went and did it. And I went out and so proud of that. I know with a lot of people who think that the only cool things I ever did were Steve Earle and Lyle Lovett and like Barbara Streisand is maybe a little too pop, whatever, AC pop. But to me, she (laughs) she is one of the greatest singers that ever lived. And she's as iconic as Elvis is in her own in her own way.
1: Absolutely. And both extraordinary vocals. Um, now, your career hasn't stopped. Over 100 million albums sold and working from the biggest stars in the world, including Barbara Streisand, but you still have recent projects going on, new releases going on. I think uh, you're working with uh, Drake Milligan, for example, just had a release yeah. in September. You know, for you, what excites you now? Uh, you know, take like Drake or somebody like Drake that you're working with. What excites you now? Because you have such a high standard and e- experiential level you know, you is it still exciting to work with people? Yeah, was,
0: you know, because I only want to do things that I believe in, and like in the case of Drake, he was part of a show on CMT called The Sun Record Sessions, and he was 19 years old, and he played young Elvis, and I actually ran into him, the show didn't get picked up, and I said, hey man, if you ever decide you want to be an artist, give me a call, and he came over to my house, and I said, what kind of music do you want to do? And I thought he would say, like, Stray cats or rockabilly or something. He said George Strait. I said, "Well, you got the right guy right here." <laughs> I mean, I did 19 albums on George out of his 60 number ones, I did 37 of those. So he he wrote songs, but they weren't bad songs. They weren't great songs. So I hooked him up with a my co-producer Brandon Hood, and they wrote started writing together, and they wrote the entire album. And I'm really proud of it. And the label kind of wanted us not to do what George is doing because it's not what's happening right now, like the bro country thing and all that kind of stuff. And we stood by our guns because that kind of music is my favorite country music, 80s and 90s country music is my favorite. And now it's Luke Combs, Cody Johnson, Morgan Wallen, Eric Church, Drake is part of a singer-songwriter singing, not traditional music, music that draws from tradition. And he writes really good, like from Houston, Texas. And I mean, we cut some killer tracks and I'm really proud of this record. And it took us getting him on America's Got Talent to get the label to put it out because everything is done different these days, you know. They they kept saying, we wanna see what gets a million streams then we'll maybe put something out. (laughs) So after a year and a half, I was going, come on, man. I, I feel like an old timer. So he gets on America's Got Talent and the first night he plays, he gets 5 million likes on Simon, Simon Cowell's Facebook. And the label goes, we should put something out. I'm going, yeah, oh, my God, I'm really <laughs> proud of this record. And I think it's gonna do something, I really do. And he's he's got star quality, and, and I believe in that record. But I always would do things that are left of center like La La it and the, the Mavericks, Kelly Willis, Steve Earle, I've got a new artist named D. White, who's yeah. that kind of artist. And it's like, I've got to make people, he's not everybody's taste, but I'm cutting some stuff on him that is undeniable. You go, I'm not, I am not—I don't know if I like this guy, but he sure is good, you know? It's like <laughs> Eric Church. It took me a long time to, to believe how great Eric Church is. You know, I, I thought he was a Steve Earl wannabe, but he's more than that. He's a great writer. He's a great performer. And uh, he cuts great records, you know? I just, I just want to do things that make an impact, you know. I, I want to make money, too, but I really want to make an impact. For someone to say, did you do that record if I'm walking through an airport? That means as much to me as a royalty check, you know. So I just, so that's why you do it, really why you do it. I mean, surely you want to make money, but if you're good, you will make some money. But oh. I, I want to make an impact. I want someone to say, and that really affected my life. Because when I go to the studio, I put my heart and soul into it. I go all the way down.
1: Yeah, I always say if money follows the greats. It doesn't work. Sure does. If it you is, do good,
0: you'll be rewarded. There'll be rewards.
1: Yeah. To, to finish up real quick, um, we're both faith-based people, and you know, you, your books, your music, it, it all stems from what I what I believe to be something bigger than us. And you talk about that belief of impacting others and doing good, the money always follows and has for me, whether I have it or didn't, it came right back because I just was trying to be as kind and as good as I could. And the best that I could be of myself, a higher self, let's just say, how important has your faith been in your career? Um, Oh, The
0: the most important, you know, and, and with Elvis, the transition from going from Southern gospel music to play with Elvis wasn't so weird because he really was a spiritual Christian guy, you know, and all that stuff he did, like, those gospel songs, he was dead serious. So it was it was a natural, I realized just being around him that people wondered if that was like a put-on or not. It was not. You yeah. know, uh, he really is important that he did those gospel songs in the show, and uh, my first job with him was playing in a group called Voice, and we were hired just to go to his house and play gospel songs, and and uh man it, it was it was uh, moving just to be around someone like that. And then and then as I got into the record industry, you know, Reba, uh, Vince, there's so many great people that are that are faith-driven, you know, that country music is is pretty much leans that way, just like you know, like all the RB like Whitney Houston and people like that, they all go back to the church, Aretha, yeah. it all goes back to the church, and right. uh and the church. Means you, you're singing from right here, man. That's what it is. You gotta have this, but you, you sing from here.
1: Yeah, I, I love speaking around the world. And sometimes when people say, I want you can can I hire you to do that same speech? I said, You can't because it comes through me. I have no idea what just <laughs> came out of my mouth and been around some great musicians as well and all genres. Uh, and it's amazing because they would say the same thing. And I'm sure you do when you're in the studio or on the stage, it comes through you. And those who allow it to come through you with that faith, I think it comes through in a different way, a purer way, like you said, an authentic, authentic way, which is what attracts you to what you do and who you do it with. You are truly authentic in your own right. Tony Brown, you're a legend, producer, artist, you know, obviously executive, anything, anytime I can do anything with you. I wish I could sing but that is probably the lowest of all the skills and talents that the Lord has given me. Uh, But I can certainly market and amplify songs. So uh, anything I can do for you, please come back. I'd love to have you on my TV show. I'd love to do anything with you. You are authentic, original, and thank you for allowing everyone to share so many inspirational, aspirational songs together. You've changed the world. Thank you so much for joining me.